He was a morbidly obese surgeon destined for an operating table and an early death. Now he's a rebel MD who is fabulously fit and fighting to make America healthy again. This is Stay Off My Operating Table with Dr. Philip Ovedia. Hey, welcome back, everyone. It's the Stay Off My Operating Table podcast with Dr. Philip Ovedia. And, uh, Phil, the hits just keep on coming. One great guest after another. I did a little research on our next guest, and what I saw and read kind of blew my mind. Um, I'm boy, I cannot wait to hear more. So, set the table for us. Tell us what we're going to who we're going to talk to. Will do, and I'm uh, excited for this conversation as well. Uh, today we have uh, Dr. Christian Issels. And um, really excited to uh, talk about some of the uh, innovative and uh, I, I guess you could call it alternative, but I'm just going to call it a different approach um, around uh, cancer that uh, Dr. Uh, Issels has been, uh, uh, you know, participating in and promoting for a long, long time now. Uh, so uh, excited for this uh, conversation. Um, before we uh, kind of get into that, Dr. Russell, why don't you uh, go ahead, uh, kind of uh, give your background and introduce yourself to our audience? Well, hi, um, my name is uh, Dr. Christian Islet. I'm a naturopathic doctor, and I've been treating cancer patients almost all my whole life. Uh, I learned it from my father originally, and he, you know, he came and you know explained this whole concept of immunotherapy to me in 19. 19- you know, 68, 69, I've been around it, you know, Sunday morning walks, every single Sunday, discussed his therapy. So I just around it all my life. And what he told me was that if you were going to treat cancer properly, or any type of chronic disease, you should not really be an MD, you should be more like a naturopath, because it's more a standard of care. So the idea is not to be limited by, you know, what I call the flowchart medicine, where you basically have to have a certain treatment for a certain disease process. And it doesn't really look into why people have it. But as a naturopath, you know, we are taught to, you know, look at all things. We are taught to look at the cause and look into, you know, how we best treat that cause and how we can eliminate that cause. And so it gives you a lot more, more variety of approaches to the same problem. You know, basically, it's not symptomatic. It's basically symptom plus the why behind it. And that's, how, you know, that's how we approach you know, he approached cancer, and you know, and it's how you approach any type of chronic disease. In his mind, cancer is a chronic disease, and to really treat it, you have to treat the causes. Otherwise, it's you know going to progress and progress until you pass away. Okay, so why was your father's? Why did your father have that particular insight? What was going on with him? Well, it's interesting. He, you know, he was, you know, I'm originally he was from Germany, and. He graduated medical school in 1929, and, he, and then he got stuck in the war, was at the front line, and saw a lot of things at, 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 in wartime. But then when he left school, when he left the war, and he opened up his own private practice, he realized that all the people with the major disease processes, you know, like uh, rheumatoid arthritis, uh, you, know, you know, lupus, things like that, anything he was used by, used the textbook to treat them with, it did not work. And he said, this is really frustrating. You know, I've been taught this in school and nothing works. 
So why is that? So he looked into, he did some research and looked into the old doctors. He called, you know, he called them, you know, the, the farm doctors, basically the doctors which who, who worked on farms, small towns, and they had great results. So he went to, to them and learned what they what they did. And he, you know, once he applied their principles, he started having great results. And then, you know, after being really successful in Germany in 1949, one of his patient's wife had, had breast cancer. And you know, so why you know, I mean, you know, why do you treat my wife? Well, I can, you know, I, I'm not an oncologist, I don't know anything about cancer. And he said, Well, you know, he said, please try it. So he tried what he did on other cancer on other patients, like with you know, with um lupus, and she got better somewhat. I mean, she passed away, but she improved for a period of time. And he said, Yo, that's, that's very interesting. Why is you know, if cancer is just a disease of the locale, like he, he used to say it back then. You know, that should not, you know, that should not work. That should not be something that would be, you know, be workable. But it, it improved. I mean, she didn't survive. But he said, oh, I mean, you know, this is actually that process of the whole body approach. You're working on the immune system and how the organ system function actually worked on her somewhat. And he just explored that more and more and more and came with different protocols, you know, like the dental issue, you know, that, you know, root fossa infections, lifestyle psychology, you know, and things like that. And then, you know, then working on the immune system and developing, you know, anti you know, antigenic therapy from, you know, from uh you know from mice with TB. And he injected that. That worked really well. I mean he used everything. Well that mice had TB and then there's a doctor called Dr. Gerlach. And he used he used antigens from mice with TB to inject into cancer patients to activate the immune system. Oh. And that there's a really good response to that. Another, I mean, not, nothing across the board, but there's a response in some cases. Uh, then, you know, I'm sure you heard of Coley's toxin, right? Dr. Coley's toxin, basically it's three types of bacteria, sorry, two types of bacteria, which, you know, they grow in the, in the, in the bile, uh, kill them off, and then we inject this dead bacteria coating into the body for fetal response. And it has shown to be very effective with, um, with you know, sarcomas. And he used that as well to other cancer patients. So he did the whole, but he, he looked at the whole body, say, okay, we have a body here. Usually when you're healthy, there's no issue with body system function. So the problem is when you get sick, there's a dysfunction between the organ systems. So if you just treat the symptom, you're not going to address the dysfunction of the organ system. So you treat that part of it, but again, other things will fall apart. So the question is why, is, for example, is the liver not working right? Or why did the liver system not, you know, not surveil it properly? You know, things like that. And then he, he, he used different approaches to actually, but he called, if there's a dis-ease process, there's also what's called a blockade. And the blockade is something where the, you know, the information the body provides to the immune system is incomplete or incorrect. And that's why they don't have the response to it. And the way to do this, you have to break the blockade somehow. And one way to do it in his mind was using fever therapy, uh, using some type of, it's not a vaccine per se. Basically, it's just a way to activate the immune system, to introduce something the immune system knows, but has forgotten about. And now you inject that, and then you will have, you will suddenly get an immune response. It's the same thing. Have you heard about uh, autohemotherapy? No. Well, it's basically, it's the Germans called Eigenblut therapy. So basically, you take uh, but about 0.5 or 0.6 cc's of blood, mix it with sterile water, shake it up, and re-inject an IM. 
And that's one way to introduce, you know, pathogens which are found in the blood, or let me rephrase this, antigens found in the bloodstream. Reinject them into another body part where suddenly the dendritic cells will travel to see, okay, there's a there's an invasion here because when you inject fluid into a muscle, it stretches the fibers and it causes an immune response. When they travel there, oh see, these are antigens. Oh yeah, I recognize those. Let's go back and actually look throughout the body, see where we can find them. And that's basically, you know, that's basically taking the information your body has about its state of health, applying it, and to see what it where it goes next. That's the start of immunotherapy. That's basically the concept behind it. It's not just looking at the cell, cell lines. It's not looking at the you know, different parts of the immune system. It's basically looking how can we reactivate it properly. Does so that make sense? Just to make sure I understand, the, the, the model of dysfunction there is that the body has, for, for lack of a better word, forgotten how to respond Correct. to a particular situation. Correct. And the therapy is to and i realize you you covered a lot of different therapies but the last one you withdraw oh, the, oh, I do, yeah draw your own blood because when you think about this everything present in your body right now any disease factor any antigens are going to be found in the blood because it basically it goes everywhere so it goes to all the organ system and it will absorb and retract some of the antigens present and you just take the blood dilute it and re-inject. re-inject it back into a muscle somewhere, like Correct. the thigh or the butt. Or I, you know, arm, whatever, where people want to be injected. When you do that, as this, therapy. This, this helps. The, the, the response you observe is that the immune system seems to kick back into right. to working order. Correct. And it does. It's a very rapid treatment for the common cold. It really works if you do it early, if you do a series of free shots and early onset of the common cold, you you very likely will knock it out. Nothing is hundred percent, but the immune system will wake up and will do its job again. It's you know it's the immune system. It's not you know when people talk about autoimmune disease, it's not the immune system that's not working. It's just unfocused, is unaware, and it comes down to the question: Why is it not aware? Yeah. And that's where the crust of everything is. Any disease process is a dysfunction of the immune system. You know, because if you look at history-wise, you know, when you have a patient that comes to see you after they turn 50, and they suddenly have a disease process they never, never had before. So it's not genetic. Something which kept it on the, the lock and key suddenly stopped doing its job. And then, you know, then the question is, what caused it? Is it a viral thing? Uh, is it a lifestyle issue? Is it EMF? Is it foci infections from the, the teeth? Uh, is it um, you know electromagnetic? Uh, you know it's usually all of the above. You know you know there's you know there's a threshold point. Any person, every person has when they get past that threshold point, they're going to get sick. And each person has a different genetic background where that threshold is either very very high or very very low or in the middle. It depends who you are. You know, you know, I mean, commonly when you hear a lot, when you talk to cancer patients or, you know, I mean, they say to you, hey, doc, you know, I've been healthy all my life. I haven't got a cold. I have had never had any issues, and now I have cancer. How is that possible? You know, and again, you know, if they had a bad immune system, they would be sick all the time, right? Because the immune system protects you from everything. So it's not the immune system that's failing. I'm sorry, it's not the weak immune system, not the problem. It's just something which is the focus is is wrong or you know or not paying attention enough 
All right. So, so that that leads to the question. <laughs> let, let's get more specific then about your cancer treatment. Okay. Uh, um, from what I can see on the website, there's all different uh, folks presenting with all different types of cancers. Um, we've had uh, uh, Dr. Thomas Seafried on the show who stated flat out there's all cancer is basically the same, the same metabolic dysfunction. Um, can you, <laughs> what can you tell us about how you're treating cancer? Well, it, it, it comes down to it's, you know, it's the, we look at the whole system. Okay. We look, I mean, when you see a patient with the cancer or any disease, you look at, you do an intake where you go, okay, get, get, let me get your history. What's been going on? And, you know, in, in general, with cancer patients, just again, in general, you know, if you look five years back, something happened five years ago in their, in their life, you know, it could be a divorce. It could be got really sick, you know, maybe had an injection. Maybe they were in a car accident and something after that, she never quite felt right. Something was off. And then it takes that long for that cancer actually take, to take hold. Basically, it grows really slowly in the beginning. Because it's only a few cells and a few cells and they double and double and it takes a while for them to grow. You know, so, so that, so when we look, okay, we look at, all right, how are this patient system, is the kidney function properly? You know, is the liver doing its job? Is it detoxing correctly? Uh, you know, you know, is the you know the lymph system draining properly? Uh, you know, is the thymus healthy? Uh, you know, uh, you know the teeth healthy? What's the you know what's the lifestyle like? How do they focus on problems? How much stress have they had? You know, have they had some type of in history of infection? Have they been exposed to Epstein Barr or the cyclomegalovirus, or have they been exposed to TB? And all these things play a role in how the immune system functions. And because each organ system is interconnected via a neural net. So anything, any system goes wrong, that gets translated across the neural net to the other organ systems. So when you pull out a hair cell, every cell in your body knows you pull out a hair cell of your head. It's just aware of it. It just knows that's, you know, the interconnection of the, you know, the neural net or the field. Once that field falls apart, that's when you have the issue of disease happening. So the idea is you take take patients and you make sure that they get to the from the disease issue to the ease issue again. And the question is, what are the factors? And in cancer, you know, because cancer patients we see in general are very, you know, they have stage four disease. They have tried chemotherapy. They have tried radiation. They have tried, you know, you know, toxic immunotherapy, uh, radiation. And you know they all have all have all have failed it. And the question is, you know, if you have a you know in general, you know, but another thing I'm going to point out, which people don't think about very often, is then in a big picture, there are two type of cancer patients that that are they exist. It's broad spectrum, you know. It's broad, you know very like basically you have the patient who's who has acute cancer. They're the ones that had something major happened in their life. They got the divorce, were in a car accident, and the body just shut down for a period of you know, nine months, 12 months, enough time for the body, just for the cancer to grow. And then that problem resolves itself with time. And they are the ones who respond really well to chemotherapy and radiation and surgery because the online factor has resolved itself. So they will have the good outcome with the therapy. So that's why you have the successes in chemotherapy in some cases. 
But then you have what I call a chronic cancer patient, the one who has issues with the organ system function, which has been going on many, many years. They're the ones who respond somewhat, but six months later, it returns. And then they you know, do more chemo, and then it, the progression increases quite a bit. And so that's the ones, that's the people we usually, we usually normally see in our, in our, in our, in my practice, in our practice, the ones who have, you know, are chronic. So, I mean, that's the key thing. When you see it, when you get diagnosed with cancer, the, the important thing to realize is which patient are you? Are you the chronic or are you the acute? If you're acute, you know, you know, chemotherapy will, will serve you. If you're chronic, it won't. It might buy you a little time. I mean, they did a, they did a, bit, a meta study where they took uh, 10 years of cancer patients with all types of cancers and looked at the five year survival with chemo, you know, and the numbers are dismal. If you put them all together, it's like 2.7% long term survival of chemotherapy. Yeah. So um, just to kind of step back a moment uh, and yeah. talk about kind of the, the, the origin of cancer. So, you know, cancer. Um, is basically uh, uncontrolled growth. You know, a, a, a right. group of cells start growing without the normal uh, kind of uh, checkpoints and, and the growth becomes out, uh, you know, uh, out of control, essentially. And um, certainly, uh, you know, I, when your dad started his career, you know, the prevailing theory, uh, which, which came out of Germany and, and Otto Warburg primarily, was that this was a metabolic problem, that the cells um, switched their metabolism, uh, which allowed them to have sort of this uncontrolled growth. And, you know, as things progressed, uh, you know, probably, uh, you know, as you were growing up and then you were going into training uh, and certainly as I went through my medical training, the, the prevailing theory became it was because of, you know, gene mutations within these cells that allowed them to grow. And, and that's largely our focus today is, is on these genetic mutations. And we've kind of forgotten uh, about the metabolic uh, issue. Uh, and thankfully, I think there is a, a bit of a resurgence uh, in interest in the metabolic theory. But I'd like to kind of hear just your, you know, at a basic level, uh, what what is the underlying problem in cancer? Uh, because understanding the underlying problem is usually what leads you to figure out effective treatments. All right. So the, the way... The way I I understand it and the way I look at the problem is that when you look at when you use the idea of genetics, what it is, you know, it's basically it's basically what you're looking into is probably epigenetics. Because those mutations have been present once you're born, and it took a certain amount of time for those to be turned on by getting exposure to certain growth factors or you know, you know, genes which are getting turned off or turned on to cause the cancer to grow. You know, that's a change of environment of the body to allow those factors to, you know, to be there and to do their, you know, to their bidding. So, you know, so it, it is basically, it is both. It's a genetic disease as well as it is a, in the disease of the metabolism. They don't, they're not separate, I don't think. Because metabolism controls what genes do and, you know, and genes somewhat control what metabolism does as well. So it, it intermarried. So it's basically, it's the question comes down to, what part of that process can be fixed? You know, we know there's a breakdown in metabolism to have cancer grow, 
and usually it's unchecked inflammation which causes cancer. Because, because once you have inflammation cells lose, they're able to control themselves to what they do. And you know, once you get that point, anything can, anything can go wrong. It's like taking your finger, rubbing it on the table for the first 15 minutes of it, not a big deal. If you do that for three hours, you've got a hole. You know, the same thing with any type of area we have, you know, inflammation that is present long term. So, you know, so the first step is number one is finding out, okay, what's what's the cause? Why are you getting that inflammation at that system? Why is that system uh, you know, irritated for that long period of time? And you know, and then you have to you know, then you have to look at the epigenetics saying, okay, what parts can I control in removing out of my system so they do not turn into cancer cells? And that's why it's important to know your family history as well. Because if you you know you have a history of having uh, you know, there's a family for example, having lung cancer. You, you know, you do have very likely a genetic issue in that in that part of your gene pool. So the idea is not to turn those, you know, avoid things to turn those those factors on. Um, if you know breast cancer, you know, example, that's very likely you have a problem with estrogen metabolism. You know, then if you get on top of that, if you have that issue, then you get an exposure to Epstein-Barr, you know, which affects the material cause long-term inflammation, then you have a higher chance of, you know, developing, you know, breast cancer. But again, it's basically, it's, you know, it's everything goes into how the body is functioning. It's all across, how the organ systems are interrelating. Are they supported or are they not? I'm not sure I'm clear on, well, actually, I am sure I'm not clear, which is that's the more accurate way to say it. Um, when you talk about body systems, um, so if somebody presents with a particular kind of cancer, is the thesis that that whatever system that cancer is in, that's the that's where the weakness is, or does the cancer show up in other systems? That's that's the problem. Is it can be a not it can be the same system, but it can be other systems as well. Okay. Because everything is interrelated. That's the sure. difficulty of addressing the whole body. It's basically it's not working on one system alone. It's actually working on all the all the, all the, you know you know you know the skin, the liver, the kidneys, the GI system. All these systems have to do their proper job to have a healthy body. So one thing my dad told me, which I think is very true, is that a lot of times when people are very very ill to start with, you look at their blood and it looks totally fine. It doesn't look like they have a major problem. Then you start treating the problem, and suddenly the blood turns, you know, it shows the true picture of what's going on. And that's which is a really interesting. You know, I've seen many times where you have a patient come in and you start the holy body therapy, and then suddenly you see things come, you know, something come away. Okay, there's actually a liver issue there. The end the liver enzymes are off. And they go, okay, then you support the liver and they come back and they improve. Or, you know, there's an issue with, you know, with the GI system. You know, they suddenly have a hard time digesting certain foods, which they were totally fine with before. And you fix that problem. And then at the same time, the body improves in function and the person gets better. Well, sorry, the patient gets better. But it's easy to just broad strokes. And, you know, it's not, I mean, we do more than just that. But that's what, you know, that's the idea behind the whole body treatment that we have to address the whole body. And then for each cancer type, you have to be more specific. And the newest thing we have right now is we call that cell therapies. I think it's on our website where we take your T the autologous T cells, natural killer cells, and uh, dendritic cells. 
imitectal cells, all your bloodstream, run it through a cell separator, expose them to you, the antigens that are found in the serum to form an inactivation in culture cells and re-inject them as a treatment. So those cells then are exposed to the antigens and they have, they're going to be focused on to where the problem lies, onto the cancer. But also when you have the dendritic cells, they will actually go travel back to the B cells and they will produce some antigens long-term. So you do both, you do an immune response, which is current right away, but then also work on the production of antibodies to produce a long-term immune response. But the problem with that is if you don't change the underlying milieu after a period of time, those cells can really go back into hibernation again. So if you just do one part of the treatment, like just doing the cell therapies by itself, it's not going to work long-term because, because the environment controls what, what the cells do. So what are some of the ways then that you're uh, manipulating the environment to, you know, uh, I guess, favor, you know, these actions uh, from, from these immune cells? So the way we control the environment is, number one, we look into, you know, like I said, we, you know, we do a big questionnaire uh, where we where we look into, you know, how the systems are working. We look into, you know, kidney function. Uh, we look into liver function. We look into lymph system, how well it drains. We look into uh, uh, thymus function as well and see how these systems are working. And that's the first step. Then support those systems. And then use, then find out if there's, for example, if there's an underlying, if there's a chronic viral infection present, which will affect the immune system. Uh, I mean, we test for foci infections. Uh, you know, if they're there, we have to address those. And then, for example, there's a, you know, then of course, lifestyle diet is important. For example, if you're a type A blood group, you can be vegetarian. If you're an O, it's very hard for you to be a you know have you know be vegetarian because you have a very difficult time to absorbing uh, plant proteins. So I've seen a lot of cases where I have uh, with vegetarian breast cancer patients because they they lacked you know they had had an issue with well, you know with you know with detoxification of the liver. Uh, you know if it's a viral, you treat the virus plus you know the other organ systems. Uh, if it's uh, if it's you know if it's related to foci infections, we let the see if we can address those if they're willing. If there's a root canal on the meridian for, you know, for example, the front teeth meridian correspond to your general areas like the prostate, in the ovaries, the uterus, things like that. And usually in the day there, they have to be addressed. Um, you know, if you go to the, you know, the back, back upper, upper teeth, it's usually the breast tissue as well, things like that. Uh, and then just, you know, use treatments such as high dose vitamin C. Uh, we, we do use, um, uh, you know, we use hydrogen peroxide, uh, we, additionally to the cell therapies, hyperthermia, ozone, laetrile, uh, all these have shown to be, you know, to be effective versus some cancers. Uh, nothing works in all cancers. But again, if you start working on the underlying milieu, they will have a good outcome. And the big thing, you know, what people, in, if you look at all the treatments with, you know, which right now, uh, People propose this, you're looking at the one shot cure in cancer, like the one, you know, the one vaccine or the one therapy to address it all. And I don't think it's too complex to have that happen. 
Because you can take, you know, the same cancer and you have 10 patients with different 10 different reasons why they have it, and you have to treat them differently, each of them. And which makes it really, it makes it very hard to mass produce. You know, it's that's no that's not really money in, in treating one patient at a time because you cannot mass produce <laughs> in, you know in the in the factories to get get the payment yeah. for. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to something you said after the the in, the intake questionnaire. Um, you find out if there's um, dysfunction in the or, organ systems, and then you said support the liver, support the kidney, support the thallus, support the the lymph. Right. How, what what does that look like? Well, again, and I'm 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 the layman in the group here. So right. Okay. So I'm doing my best like, to stick with you. Okay. No worries. So what I would, for example, if you look at uh, you know liver function, you would do you would use the proper what I call cofactors for detoxification. Uh, you know, we use we would use things such as teraxicum, which is dandelion, which causes increases uh, you know bile flow, which is one way toxins leave the liver. That'd be one step. Uh, you know, if you you know you look at different you look at the minerals, the magnesium, the, you know, potassium, uh, we use, you know, we use the, the you know the B vitamins, folic acid, uh, things like that to make sure we have a proper have this proper detox pathways. Make those make sure they function well so whatever the liver gets exposed to, it can process it. And then of course you need to have the right proteins to conjugate the toxins to expel them through the through the gut. So if you know, so when you do work on the liver and you don't fix the gut, all these toxins will get reabsorbed in the gut to be going back into your bloodstream to cause a vicious cycle. So then you have to work on okay, how can you make sure your gut is working right? And you have to look at di digestion, digestive enzymes if they're necessary, uh, you know, proteases, uh, proper you know gut flora. They did this study. I mean, there's a, a one-man study which is really interesting. Uh, not cancer, but basically the guy had history of uh, he was morbidly obese. Uh, he had history of uh, heart failure, and he was diabetic. And what you know, they did a study in England where they actually. Do you know what a lestra is? Uh, I've heard of it, but I don't remember what it's supposed to do. The, uh... Basically. Basically, there was there was this great food added, great thing they did in, in I think two thousand I think was it two thousand, but they said they put it you know they put it on chips so you would not you know you wouldn't get the fat of the chips so you can eat your chip, but you won't you know get the the cholesterol up. That was the idea behind it. What it does is actually a fat that doesn't get absorbed by the body. So basically, you would poop it right out. And that's why they had issues with the cholesterol because people had bad smelling stool and loose stools. So the only thing he did different with his lifestyle was he added 15 Lester chips three times a day for three years. That's all he did. And in that time for me, he lost most of his weight. He's no longer diabetic, and he improved his heart function. The reason it worked is proposed that what happens is when you detoxify and the you know, fats like the bile salts, you know, get reabsorbed in the you know in the gut. So if you don't, if you get rid of the toxins, you put them to the into the GI system, into the small intestine, large intestine, and they don't get expelled, you're gonna get re-exposed to that. So unless they bound all the those toxins, the pesticides and those things. And you poop not slowly through the three years. And that increases metabolism. And you know, so he lost the weight. Once he lost the weight, it increased, you know, you know, it reduced you know, the, you know, his blood sugar, because, you know, as you know, being obese causes insulin resistance, I reduce that. 
And then, of course, because you have the lack of the, you know, like fat, there's a lot of vascular area, and that increases, you know, you know, the stress on the heart. And so all these things work together. But it's a he did it very slowly. I mean, it's a very, you know, it's not a lot of therapy, but it took that long to get the response. So, you know, but again, it's he, he bought he had a way to fix fix the problem. And with kids, unfortunately, a lot of times it's going to take some time to fix the problem. You don't have three years with the cancer patients to really, you know, fix the whole problem. But you can actually fix some of the problem and do treatments which are which attack the cancer by yourself the time to fix the problem. And the average therapy, you know, average my dad did treatment in, in Germany, I and mean, the average treatment time was a year. Yeah, you know, people were with him for a year. Wow. And that's when you get the great results. If people did it shorter, they didn't respond as well. So it almost sounds like <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to articulate this this question. It sounds like you're treating cancer as simply the single most unavoidably obvious symptom of an underlying health issue correct and you're not really treating the cancer you're making the i guess you're approaching it from the standpoint that the the cancer the body will take care of the cancer if everything else is is working right is that right am i am i yeah yes correct it's it's a little bit more than that but very close basically if you have a healthy body the body that there's it's not the environment where cancer can grow because all the metabolic issues which need cancer needs to be present are going to be gone. So suddenly there's no more nurturing the cancer. But the problem with that process is that patients in general don't have the time. And secondly, they have had so many different complex therapies done to them, yeah. which is highly toxic that it's a really, so we need to treat the cancer. And then we use it with, you know, that's why we use the cell therapies. You know, we use therapies that are shown to kill cancer cells without causing side effects per se. I mean, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to go say, well, we, I know you have a toxic body, and it has takes a lot of time to fix it, to fix that online toxic exposure. Now we're going to give them more toxins while we're trying to buy them time. So it's if that doesn't work, because basically you're not going to reduce the load that you need to control the outcome. So we want to do therapies which are which are non, you know, nothing's non-toxic, really. I mean, have no, you know, but the least toxic outcome possible. And that gives, that allows you, that allows the body to respond and actually remove the underlying, you know, the underlying cause as best as it can. In some cases, you can't get it done because people are not compliant. Right. And we, we can buy them time. But again, if you don't make those changes, which I mentioned, like addressing the system functions, it's not easy to address that. You know, it's not easy to address, you know, if, you know, people are really set in their ways, unfortunately. I mean, people know what they like and they have, you know, for example, people love to, you know, love to, you know, carbohydrates. They, you know, like the cake, they like the candy. And for them to give that up, it's giving up a friend. I mean, basically, you go, oh, you know, I'm looking forward to having my ice cream after dinner. Yeah. Or whatever they take in. So... Um, I guess, you know, in a lot of ways, 
um, kind of like Jack said, you're not, you know, the, the, the focus isn't necessarily on the cancer treatment. It's on sort of more in the environment. Um, you mentioned that, you know, many of your patients, uh, before they come to you, um, you know, have already done, um, you know, whether traditional, non-traditional, you know, they've done lots of other treatments that they've largely failed. And you're now seeing people who have, you know, failed multiple courses of treatment. Um, what's, uh, I, I guess, you know, what, what's the general sort of approach as to whether, you know, the types of therapies that you do and, and you instruct people on, um, you know, continuing, let's say, you know, what we'll call more traditional uh, treatment approaches? Do you think these are substitutes? In an ideal world, uh, you know, uh, would you like people to try, you know, kind of these other therapies first, your your immunotherapies that you do, uh, you know, before doing the other stuff? How do you how do you think they work together? Well, again, again, they they do work together pretty well. You know, I think I think when I talk to patients, when I I usually when I see patients. They're usually a stage four or a stage three where they, you know, they don't come to me early. If they come to me at stage one, you know, of course I cannot prove it 100%, but I think it'd be, I would be almost 100% curate, but I don't get that. So it's really hard for me. I mean, I would just, that's what I would do. So basically look, you know, look at the problem, address the problem. And then, you know, that because then you have the time to really do it. You know, then you have, you have the people who are in, you get the first stage diagnosis. You know, it's not going to go anywhere at least, you know, three to three to four years, you know, to, you know, to be, you know, a little bit less, but that's enough time to address the online cause. But if they come to me, you know, stage three, stage four, and they have a large tumor, which is pressing against the, you know, aorta, oh. it's compressing it. And basically, I don't have three years to, to do anything. I got to address, I got to take something aggressive, you know, like, you know, chemoembolism possibly. Or you know radiation or surgery to you know give me to help me get the time to actually address the, address the problem. You know it's it's a time factor. It's basically it's tumor is not going to stop growing the first year of therapy. It, the idea is it's going to keep growing till it gets to a point where you know with the body starts the therapy starts working and and the cancer stops growing. But that could be uh, you know a month away. It could be, you know, it, it could be enough time to progress and actually obstruct, you know, the blood flow. And then that patient is dead. Or if it presses, you know, presses on, you know, if it affects liver function, it shuts down the liver. I mean, yeah, the therapy is great, but, you know, the, the patient's not going to be alive. So, again, you need to know the case. You need to look at where are we, what, what part, you know, you know, look through the history to see what are, number one, what are the organs that are working, and do I have the time to address it properly? And then the question, if I have the time, then I say, yeah, we take our time. If you don't, then we go, you know, you know, we do therapies which are, you know, allopathically minded, like radiation, you know, surgery or uh, chemoembolism, things like that. And then to get us the time to get it you know, and use the therapy, which is going to be least toxic to the patient. You know, I mean, uh, systemic chemotherapy is going to be very toxic. But I mean, chemoembolism is going to be, it's still going to be somewhat you know, uh, toxic. It's still going to spread throughout the body, but it's not going to be as aggressive with that. Uh, surgery, again, is, it's kind of all that's cut it out, except sarcomas. Don't touch a sarcoma ever. 
because it gets more aggressive each time you cut it. Mm. So, but again, in general, you know, I mean, you can cut it out. I mean, you know, the amount of part in this process, the less tumor the body has to fight, you know, it's going to be easier to overcome it. If it's a lot of large mass, it's going to take more time. If you cut it out and you suddenly have only a few cells floating around, uh, it's going to be a little bit easier for the immune system to do its job. But the key thing is it has to stay active long-term. It cannot just turn on for six weeks, seven weeks, you know, two months, and then go back to hibernation again. Excuse me. So is the distinction, I'm sorry, Phil, is the distinction between what you called acute cancer and chronic cancer, is that you're really talking, as it sounds to me like you're really talking about um, the underlying wellness of the patient otherwise and the, the amount of time that they've been in a fundamentally diseased state that may or may not have been presenting with any symptoms. Correct. They're not really two different things. It's just no, no. That's basically it's a chronic person with chronic disease. Except the first symptom of the chronic disease is the cancer. Right. Okay. That's the main principle around it. Basically, you have a body that it's kind of like having, you know, it's like a field of weeds. You know, you got the you know you got the roots everywhere except the weed has not you know germinated yet, but it's there. Right. So, so the idea is that's, you know, I mean, you can't do surgery and you, you know, you, you know, you cut the top off, but not the weed, not the roots. I mean, the same thing with, you know, using um, chemotherapy, it's, it's like using weed killer, but they always, even it works most of the time, you still going to have some weeds come back because the soil is still allowing the, the weed to grow. That's the kind of the concept behind it. So you want to make sure that soil is not hospitable to the cancer. It cannot grow in that environment. And that's what Otta Babor comes in with his, with his metabolic issues. The environment controls what the cell does. Uh, this would be, a, a, I think, for those of us who are not medical professionals, I've heard the name Otto Warburg many, many times. But I'm not that familiar with his work. So give us a quick history. What was what was Warburg's, uh, what was his contribution to the field? Well, basically, the, what my take from that was that um, that the metabolism, the you know the uh, that everything which the cancer is a cell that lives on, and I mean it's not it's anaerobic, so in a sense, oxygen is anti-cancer per se. So basically, everything which anaerobic the, you know metabolism will produce cancer down the line as long as it stays anaerobic, and that's the main idea you took away. Basically, if you have oxygen present, it does not cause cancer, but if you are living in an environment which is lack of oxygen, anaerobic, that will develop a disease process. That's the main principle he brought back. And and I think that's a very important one too. Because basically anytime you think about when you think about, I mean just think about exercise. I mean use your muscles. Uh, you, you know you run and after a period of time you run out of out of oxygen and then you start working on you know anorexically basically and then you produce lactic acid. And that's an irritant. Same type of concept with, you know, with the fear that Warburg was talking about. It's much more complex than that, but, yeah. but basically yeah, that's the principle behind it. Anything anaerobic will cause inflammation. And if the inflammation is there long enough, it will cause a mutation in the cell and it will become what he called cancerous. 
And, and, you know, one of the other, I guess, key parts of uh, Warburg's uh, theories was that, uh, you know, cancer cells uh, live off of glucose um, and that they will uh, basically, um, they're going to find a way, you know, a way to get glucose. They're going to steal it, you know, take it from anywhere uh, and, um, you know, to the point that, uh I guess to an excessive point uh, that they are going to go to, you know, essentially start to cannibalize the rest of the body uh, to be able to get the energy uh, that uh, that they need to survive. Yeah, and you know that's you know it's you know it's it's very it's interesting when you look at PET scans and you look at those. I mean, the most hottest spot in the body are you know the cancer cells. And it's how they determine that cancer present because the metabolism is it's so efficient in absorbing glucose. But you know, but the, the metabolism, of course, turns is going to be anaerobic and cause the buildup of lactic, lactic acid, things like that. Right. So it sounds like the folks who show up at your clinic are as as a rule, are well past the point where they could have made a change earlier that would have prevented them from getting to that point correct um so i'm i'm guessing that you have some guidelines to prevent people from getting to that point correct i mean the biggest the biggest thing i, I think i can well, i can mention is uh it is st- stress metabolic stress as well as you know physical stress and um I mean, basically, what stress does, as you know, it causes you know, it, you know, it, it doesn't allow you to actually heal. There's no healing response through stress, and it also there's no real you don't absorb any highly stressed. So basically, you number one, you won't heal yourself, or you will not absorb as well when you're stressed. So and that that alone being in that stress factor of a period of you know five, six, ten years, it's going to cause you de- depletion in your in your nutrition already. Basically, you're just not as efficient in absorbing like because you're stressed. And then, of course, having, you know, exposures, you know, having dead work done, which is improper, you know, you know, having root canals done, which are quite dangerous. You know, dental hygiene is important. You know, you know, of course, you know, eating organic foods is important. You know, uh, things like that. You know, make sure you have, you know, a good intake of vitamin C, you know, have a good multivitamin to take in, but make sure you absorb it too. You know, a lot of people... So yeah, I've been taking vitamins all my life, and they don't really work for me. You know, they don't do much for yeah. Probably you're not absorbing the vitamins. You know, a good digestive tract, so you know, improved digestion. When you know, when you get older, your digestive tract reduces in function. So basically, you're going to support. You know, you got to do the hydrochloric acid if you need it, and you know, digestive enzymes. Then again, you know, using fish oils are important because they may keep the membranes healthy because everything your body does. And you secrete or absorb it goes from membranes so you have to have, have healthy membranes things like that i make sure that you know, make sure that the organs you know make sure you support the liver you don't do anything that's really damaging to the liver uh you know a key thing i want to mention for women don't take any, any uh milk thistle milk thistle is you know for women men is fine but women have a hard time with milk thistle it's something you can be really careful with you know usually over- overdose and it causes liver stress even though it's a liver support, but if you do too much of it, it's going to do damage. Um, let's see. 
Interesting. Know, yeah, people don't know about that. But again, another part is if you are if you're a type O blood group, you you do need animal proteins. You can you can be vegetarian. You know, uh, another part is you know you you think you live a healthy lifestyle by eating a lot of fish, uh, but a lot of the fish, as you know, has mercury in them. And one of the worst ones to take in is actually a red snapper. They have the, the highest mercury level of the fish. And tuna, of course, tuna, swordfish, all these ones, you know, you can buy them in a store. They can, you know, they have a couple of companies. I'm not sure if it's still business or not, but they actually test the fish and they make it, they say it's mercury free. So it's, you know, it's a good quality fish. Uh, eat organic, you know, make sure it's eat meat, it's, you know, it's free range, uh, you know. Um, things like that. So you're you're describing um, stress in a much broader, uh, using a much broader definition of stress than folks are typically used to thinking of. We're not talking just about emotional stress or mental stress. We're also talking about physiological stress that you place right. on your body through. Um, well, through what you eat, obviously, but I guess all the other factors as well. Well, one of the stresses people don't really think about is is carbohydrate intake. I don't know if carbohydrate intake is a high high stress on your body. Uh, I mean, for example, you eat a banana, you drop the banana, you swallow the banana, it goes into your stomach, into your small intestine, it gets absorbed, your blood sugar spikes. Then the insulin gets up, gets produced to reduce the sugar. Suddenly the sugar drops. And everybody says, Oh my God. Oh my God. My sugar is low. Then he goes, tells the adrenals to produce cortisol to travel to the liver to produce more glucose. And that's when people have that, you know, that postprandial coma. When they come home, they take out a lunch and they go back and say, Oh, I'm so tired. I mean, that's what that is. That, that's that, uh, you know, stress factor. And people do that four or five, you know, three, four times a day. And that's not and it's as, as bad as, you know, running from the tiger. And they do it via diet. You know, so, you know, so food, you know, you know, foods, for example, should be combined properly. You know, anytime you eat any type of carbohydrate, combine it with some fat or some protein or both. <laughs> Excuse me. So, yeah, it's, you know, the stress is, you know, it can be EM, EMF stress as well. Watching TV, you know, or having having a phone next to your bed. Anything that's not normal function for your body can cause some type of stress for you. So you got to be, but right now in the world we live in, you cannot avoid it really. You cannot avoid Wi Fi. How do you, excuse me, So, yeah, we live in a world where we've got all kinds of radio waves going on. All right, and that's why it's more definitely more cancer, and, or it faces more chronic diseases. I don't even know which direction to take the questions, Phil. It's kind yeah, of yeah, it, it opens it up. So oh, yeah, I hope I made sense. Talk about that relationship, some between uh, you know these other chronic diseases and cancer. What well, example there is? There's a there's a, um, excuse me, for example, people with TB, you know, there's a higher, high, because chronic TB, people will, will develop lung cancer down the line because of the, you know, irritation. Uh, for example, uh, 
lupus is you know is is a autoimmune disease which will, will affect you know you know excuse me I'm gonna tickle my throat I do apologize. Um, so again, these functions are they really cause they only cause irritation down the line. I mean, the unchecked irritation is the problem. Because it causes inflammation. If you have it long enough, there will be a, there will be a weakness. And yeah, so, I think we see over and over, you know, uh, all these various you know disease processes that we talk about. Uh, you know, for me, obviously, it's largely focused on cardiovascular disease. Um, you know, you're talking about cancer, uh, whether we're talking about diabetes, Alzheimer's disease, all of these things point back to inflammation and uh, this chronic, uh, you know, uh, inflammatory response uh, to something. Uh, and those are usually, you know, some external stimuli like the food you're eating or, or you know, stress, like you mentioned, and, and lots of other things that can be leading to this inflammation. And then when that gets um, kind of out of control, you know, uh, that's when we start seeing problems with these chronic diseases. Correct. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you look at, you know, if you look at the approach of, I mean, if you look at cancer as a chronic disease, the approach is going to be different. Then having, you know, the disease of, you know, the locale. I mean, and you look at, I mean, you develop a breast lesion. What are you going to do first? You know, if they can cut it, they will cut it. Next thing, they're going to radiate it. And then say, go home. You're cured now. Let's, oh. you know, do some testing. And if it comes back, you know, you're going to either radiate again or do chemotherapy. But they don't even think, okay, why is it there? Yeah. I think this has really been a, uh, you know, kind of fascinating discussion uh, around cancer. I, I, I hope this uh, is going to stimulate some people to think a little, think differently about this and, um, you know, leads us down some different ideas about what we might do to effectively uh, manage uh, this disease process. Uh, so, um, it, let people know how they can uh, learn, you know, get in touch with you, learn more about uh, your process, where uh, you treat patients. Um, I'm sure, you know, many people are going to be curious about this. Yeah. So they, they can, right now, we have a center in Mexico, uh, in Tijuana, where we do the cell therapies right now. And the way to find us is, you know, the website is, you know, islets.com. And the phone number is 805-500-8349. And uh, I'm also on Twitter, uh, Dr. Isla. Can you put that on the information down possibly? The yep, Twitter? This will oh, be, I, I'm looking on the website, and this information is, in fact, there on the website as well. Phone number, right. email, there's your Twitter Yep, so we will make sure that all this information shows up in the show notes. And the way I usually do this, we have people call us and I, you know, we will respond and then we send them a first email, a place where they can download their information. And I review I review that and I say, well, yes, you're a candidate. No, you're not. And then, then the next step is 
uh, if they want to proceed. Um, and it's pretty, I mean, it's pretty much, it's a pretty, you know, the, a little bit about the program. It's a 12-day program in a six-month home care protocol afterwards. So basically, the first part of the process is where we take, you know, take the, you know, do the cell therapies first. And so we have that activation of the immune system right away. And we use T-cells, natural killer cells, and dendritic cells in that process, which are activated, re-injected, and then you go home. And then we do the long-term workup for the online causes. It's just in average it's going to take six months. Wow. Well, I would encourage uh, listeners to go to Dr. Issel's website, issels.com. That's I-S-S-E-L-S. Again, the link will be in the show notes. Just read some of the stories. Um, I was fascinated to, to find story after story after story of folks who'd basically been given no hope at all by the allopathic approach to cancer treatment who are alive today because of of uh they attribute it to dr issel's treatment so this i suspect this episode is going to save some lives absolutely I hope so. Thank you so much for having me. Wow. All right. Well, I don't know how you top this one, Phil. <laughs> this has been the Stay Off My Operating Table podcast for Dr. Christian Issels and Dr. Philip Ovedia. I'm Jack Heald. We'll talk to you next time. Chances are you wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you didn't need to change your life and get healthier. So take action right now. Book a call with Dr. Avadia's team. One small step in the right direction is all it takes to get started. Contact us at ifixhearts.com slash talk. That's ifixhearts.com slash talk.